<laughs> Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. What's up? What's up with you? I'm cuddling a puppy. I noticed. He's <laughs> very needy today. You're not cuddling with me. Sorry. It's okay. I'll find someone. <laughs> but look at this face. Yeah, puppy is cute. My little street urchin. What are we doing here? I don't know. What are we doing here? <laughs> We're watching rom-coms. Oh, yeah, in chronological order. <laughs> Through the ages. Through the ages. Through the ages. Of space. Space. And time. And time. And love? Love. Maybe? Questionable love. Questionable love. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that is it. What are we watching today? <laughs> today we're watching... Oh. Sorry, the puppy. <laughs> we're watching The Puppy? Okay, I like this movie already. <laughs> Today we're watching 2002's Punch. <laughs> <laughs> he never makes a noise. And then that. Xander, <laughs> do you not want to know what we're watching today? Do you not want to watch it? We're watching Punch Drunk Love. The mm. name implies so many bad things. Does it? Punch Drunk? Yeah. Well, that means you got your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And your brain is all scrambled. Isn't that what love is? You get your ass kicked. No, I do the kicking. <laughs> I get my ass kicked. I have other things to worry about. <laughs> okay. Okay. World. Girl. Love. Y'all can wait. Your turn. Ashley. Yes. No more DVD.com. Like, I canceled it, remember? Last yeah. week, I can't, like, I can't get the info from it anymore. Yes. So I went to imdb.com. Dot com? Yeah. You went back to the East Coast to get it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's the info. Okay. From there. A psychologically troubled novelty supplier is nudged towards a romance with an English woman, all while being extorted by a phone sex line run by a crooked mattress salesman and purchasing stunning amounts of pudding. Okay. <laughs> right? Yes. I am equally intrigued, yet also not interested. Yeah. I don't know if I'm in the mood for it today. It sounds quirky. Yeah. But, like, not the cute quirky. No. Not like To All the Boys I Loved Before. <laughs> which everyone should watch now on yeah. Netflix. On Netflix. And send me beautiful gifts of your favorite parts. Yeah. Well, this movie stars Adam Sandler, who we previously watched in The Wedding Singer. And this also stars Emily Watson and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Aww. This is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And the editor was Leslie Jones. Leslie. The additional film editor was Fred Raskin. Mm. And we've got a couple first assistant editors. We've got Sandra Montiel and Lad Lanford. And we've got, as the assistant editor, Lara Caccioni. Oh, that's a fun name. Yeah. And the assistant editor for The Avid was Christopher Marino. Mm, yeah, we are still in the days where mm -hmm. it was the avid assistant editor. Yeah, they were like, we're going to cut this part on film, and then you copy everything we do into in the avid. avid. <laughs> Crazy, that double work. 
This movie is rated R for strong language, including a scene of sexual dialogue. What? I what am- type of rating is that? IMDb. Weird. It's an hour and 35 minutes, which I love the duration. Sounds amazing. And I'm going to say, tell me if you hate this. It has a 7.3 IMDb rating and a meta score of 78. No, that works. Like compared to DVD.com, that makes sense. But I feel like I remember this movie being like huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was a big deal around it because it was, like, the first time Adam Sandler was serious. Yeah. I think it was or something like that. I think just being in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie is a, like, you're yeah. with a real director, you know? Yeah. Let's look at the awards it was nominated for, shall we? Yes. At the 2003 Golden Globe Awards, it was nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. And that was for Adam Sandler. Oh, nice. At the 2003 American Cinema Editors... The Eddies. The Eddies. It was nominated for Best Edited Feature Film, Musical, or Comedy. Leslie Jones. Nice. And at the 2002 Cannes Film Festival, it won Best Director for Paul Thomas Anderson, but it also tied with... Of course it did. Kwan Taek Im for Painted Fire... And Paul Thomas Anderson was also a nominee for the Palme d'Or. It's French. Xander is vying for your attention. I know Xander. I have read all the information on this movie that we are about to consume with our eyeballs. Are you ready? I'm just ready to get it over with. I'm sorry. I feel like this episode is going to be another one like uh, Runaway Bride. Mm. Or we're just all like, meh. But we'll see. We might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. It's just... mm. I mean, it's got decent things that point to it being okay. What did he do? It's just like my thumb was like in his cheek. (laughs) (laughs) He wants... I don't know what he wants. He wants cuddles. All right. Xander, you want to go cuddle? Grab his snout. (laughs) Yeah, that too. That's a cuddle. Well, let's go cuddle and watch this movie. Okay. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing cute to say. (laughs) Nothing further to say. We're leaving. Bye. Have you seen the video of the woman who eats the pickles for ASMR? No. Yeah, she sits and it's like an hour of her just eating a jar of pickles. I want to eat pickles. Yum. Are pickles vegan? Yeah. Even though they're not created by nature? What? (laughs) (laughs) Lots of things are vegan that you wouldn't think are vegan though too like oreos yeah like oreos it's the exact example i was gonna give (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh the the movie punch drunk love from columbia pictures just down the street yeah and it was filmed just down the street from where i live yeah sherman oaks (laughs) yeah the valley i don't quite think i grasped this movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like a majority of the time I was confused mm-hmm. to me the way that his socially awkwardness in quotation marks mm-hmm. was portrayed was mostly a man with lots of anger issues yeah that rage though yeah and I don't feel 
as someone with mental illness that derives from a pure sense of rage mm-hmm. half the time, which everybody asks, is the anger real <laughs> all the time? And I'm like, yeah, like yeah. it's it comes from a real place. <laughs> like, let's just define that. Yeah. I think a lot of the time I was very annoyed with the movie because he turned it on and off with a switch almost. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm assuming they were trying to do, like, a visual trigger as the way that the anger turns on. But, like, he hits the wall and then he automatically cries at one point or he just starts crying and bawling at another. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't feel like that those emotions were genuine and I didn't necessarily believe the performance. Mm-hmm. which was annoying because it felt more like a caricature at y- points. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure of anything. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's no answers to anything. So I feel like it became a lot of, like, insert yourself here yeah. to fill in the blanks, which is why a lot of people like it. And a lot of those people are dudes. <laughs> And I'm not saying that women don't like it. I'm sure you do. (laughs) A lot of famous dudes like this movie. Yeah, totally. Which I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with liking the things that you like. I just didn't get any substance from it. I didn't get, like, the relationship. I didn't understand. I didn't even understand who she was as a character. And, like, it wasn't even to a level that she was there to fix his life. So she wasn't even a trope that you can, like, insert here. It was just, like, she was a being that gave him a time of day. Yeah, it just seemed like a guy just wrote her of, Mm -hmm. like, someone, I imagine someone's going to see my picture and fall in love with me and just be in love with me and take care of me. Yeah. I don't know. It, It... It... feels off something's off i feel like it wanted to be like the big lebowski yeah i can see that which i like the big lebowski that had like a plot well it was just like random like so he would do these random things like he would call the sex hotline yeah for no real like definable reason like i from the performance level, I didn't get that he was lonely I, I or why he chose to do this. And then if it was just like an, a thing that he was like, oh, I kind of want to just like do this to do something. I or think bored or. Well, I think because he wanted to talk to a therapist and he equated sex worker to therapist. Ooh, I didn't think about that trope, but that's very true is men do tend to lean towards using women as -hmm. their therapists yeah instead of actually going to a professional yeah i mean there's a lot of problems that i have with this in the way that it presented just mental health like the his family was completely and utterly unsupportive which is yeah why he act out acted out i mean yeah and he had such like a long history yeah and no one thought it was okay they're just like, you're a freak. You're an idiot. Yeah. It's like, what? And, and while it's okay to show, like, really shitty family dynamics, but 
how do I want to phrase this? It doesn't make me want to have any type of sympathy towards your main character. It doesn't make me want to follow this character's story. It's just makes me believe that he is a child trapped in an adult's body and he's acting out to get back at his family rather than actually dealing with, you know, his issues. Mm -hmm. And while his family was terrible, his family was terrible. The sisters were horrible. I hated them from like the get go. Like there's no reason for, you know, your seven sisters to to gang up on you like that. And I don't want to diminish family dynamics that are like that, but there's nothing that he portrayed that makes me go, oh, yeah, he's redeemable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I'm trying to think about, like, the women in the movie. I don't know who they are. They're just shrill harpies. Well, they got the, the sisters... That are very mean to him. One note, flat, mean to him. Yeah. You've got his love interest, Lena, who is flat, just caretaker in love with him. And then you have Georgia, quote unquote Georgia, who is maybe the most interesting character. (laughs) Besides Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was my favorite. Yeah. No, he was 100% my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) He's barely in it. Yeah. But... Them two, I'm like, I'll watch the movie about them. They're more complicated than everybody else. Well, it's not that characters have to be complicated to to show emotion or, or to be in a movie. It's you have to give the audience. They had ounce, motives. Yeah, they have. You have to give the audience motives, and you have to give them an ounce of humanity. Yeah, which humanity is based on decisions, essentially. Mm-hmm. And whether or not those decisions are selfish, humble, or, you know, selfless is dependent on your character archetype. But I really did not get anything from what Adam Sandler was giving me. Like, it just, it felt, I felt like those movies where they're almost, you know, using a a trope, uh, an unhealthy trope. Mm-hmm. or stereotype to produce drama or be like, oh yeah, he's a great thematic actor because he can portray this guy with these challenges. But it's not like Rain Man where Dustin Hoffman really f- portrayed like that from a human aspect. Yeah. So I think that's, to me... The biggest reason why I couldn't connect to it because it just felt like it was making fun of me the whole time. Aww. Aww. Until Philip Seymour Hoffman just did that. (laughs) What did he do? He was just like, shut shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. up." (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was lovely. Like, it was just. Yeah. It nailed. Dude, like, even the way he sighed, I was just like, this guy. (laughs) Love him. Well, because, like, I feel like even when he sighed, like, you get his whole, like, backstory. You get that character. Yeah. The amount of people who really liked this performance at the time, though, really kind of shocks me. I don't know. I mean, just because a guy's not telling fart jokes doesn't mean, like, oh, wow. Yeah, he definitely wasn't Adam Sandler. Like, I will give it that. Yeah. Like, at that time, he wasn't Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore. Or I mean, but I'll take him as Robbie Hart. <laughs> yeah, I, there's 
touches of of greatness in Adam Sandler performances. I will I will give him that. Like I just feel like he's a lazy actor. Mm. This is some big words, Ashley. I I don't know why mm-hmm. I get that, but I often have felt this way of Adam Sandler has these moments, but he just doesn't tie them into everything. You saying he's got potential? I do. I do really feel like he has the ability mm-hmm. and the chance to go there. Like one of the reviews I saw was that Robert Ebert thought from just from this performance that he could step in and fill like Dennis Hopper's shoes. And I do feel like that. I do feel like if Adam Sandler allowed himself to stop making fun of himself mm-hmm. and really like got a little dark yeah, really? he would be fantastic. He would win an Oscar. Hone that craft. Yeah, if he if he really like did the work and did the emotional work, because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times is that lazy actors are just not willing to let themselves kind of breathe mm-hmm. in a character's shoes, and and it comes from a state of personal fear and just unwillingness to yeah. to let yourself be seen that way. Oh yeah, but and I don't think that. Adam Sandler has to follow my advice or whatever. <laughs> but for me to, I'm just tired. I'm tired of the same old characters just being rehashed over and over and over again to the point of redundancy and almost, it just feels sad. Yeah. Now. Well, I was also going to say, I feel like also people are falling in love with the director style. Yes. You know, pasted on to Adam Sandler. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, there's definitely like the aspect that a lot of this could be directorial rather than actor choices. But there's just other aspects where I'm just like, no. I mean, even when he's going to like the store and the pudding, the pudding mm-hmm. scene, I thought that was really great when he picks up all the pudding and is yeah. like, we're going to go, we're going to do this. And he starts dancing in in the aisle. I was like, that's very un-Adam Sand. Like it is, but it isn't mm-hmm. because it's like this manicness yeah. rather than caricature Mm -hmm. and so when he did certain things like that it was less about making fun of yourself right yeah like you said it's that developing character sort of thing like what would the character do yeah rather than what would i do or Mm -hmm. what's funny yeah like what's what's the easy joke yeah I, i know we talk a lot about what great actors are in this and i think it's important just from from editorial standpoint Because that helps us so much when an actor comes to the role thinking of where they can kind of tie themselves in, Mm -hmm. but not let themselves be hindered by their own personal bias and beliefs. And like us, when you're seeing all the dailies, you're picking up on that. You're taking notes. You're like, how can I accent this better or like take it away? You know, it gives you, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like seeing everything and then just doing the focus on what just goes into the picture yeah well and i think it makes our jobs a a little bit easier we're not relying on crafting the performance so much which being able to have like all the colors for the painting yeah and giving us choices is great i'm not saying don't do that but giving those choices in a very calculated way Mm -hmm. because when you just throw shit at the wall it becomes a huge task to go not only go through all that footage in the time that we often have nowadays but to really 
make a story out of that because sometimes your the performances are happening on such drastically different days that it becomes this huge challenge if if the choice was not calculated mm-hmm. or planned out or thought about at all because what you do on day one could very well be different on day 20 if you did not think about that yeah i don't want to say continuitous but, but yeah when you like see that. the the performance put together in the correct order you should see that thread yeah yeah so i think that's an important thing for just movie people like fans of movies mm-hmm. like to really think about um in that in those terms this for me was more of like an art piece rather than a story thread yeah uh, and there's nothing wrong with that like again i just it's not it's not my cup of tea yeah at all art is such a subjective thing that we all connect to it in different ways so if certain art is not connecting with you that's okay mm-hmm. we're not here for art we're here for rom-coms <laughs> but yeah there's an art to it giggle giggle have you seen this uh, Superman theory on the internet? I have not. Is it pertaining to this movie? To this movie, yes. The Superman theory, Reddit fan theories. Of course it came from Reddit. It says he has seven sisters. As a fan of astronomy, I know that there is a star cluster called Pleiades, I don't know how to say it, that has a nickname, the Seven Sisters. What's up with that? Well, Superman has his origin in outer space. And what's funny is that whenever Barry is around his sisters, he freaks out. He can't control himself. And his sisters represent his weakness in the film. Could they be his kryptonite? His suit certainly tells a Superman story. Blue suit, red tie. His girlfriend's name is Lena Leonard, LL, like Lois Lane. Superman can fly, and what does Barry do in the movie? He exploits a frequent flyer program and gets millions of miles of free air travel, and now he can fly wherever he wants for the rest of his life. Superman has super strength. Does Barry? Yes. Seems like a joke at first when he breaks the handle of an unbreakable plunger. Then he goes on to punch a bathroom door off his hinges. He slams a car door so hard in one scene the camera shakes and he punches a map into a concrete wall so that the edges of the map hang and the map itself is stuck in the hole. Punch Drunk Love is all about Superman. Um. Also, somebody else has added, when he goes and see Philip Seymour Hoffman, Mattress Man, (laughs) he's wearing a cape. (laughs) The, 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 The hairdressing cutting... I don't like this theory. No? He only wears a red tie once. But he wears that blue suit. Yeah, but no. Has the director weighed in on this theory? Uh, the director doesn't like talking about this movie much at all. <laughs> Why? Oh, here's somebody else saying that he likes to be alone, like in a fortress of solitude. <laughs> no. A, no. I didn't really get that impression. But why would he be Superman? Like, why? Well, and what does that add to to the story? Right. I don't know. It's just, I don't know if the movie holds up, is what I'm going to say. 
And I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman was great in his, like, two scenes. <laughs> I don't know. If they had more, because it felt like he was supposed to be the villain mm-hmm. of the movie. And I really didn't get, like, there was no payoff. He never got his money back. He just to- took his piano from work and ran and kissed his girlfriend in mm-hmm. the end. And it's like, that doesn't solve any of the problems that you said were problems. Eh, shall we just talk about it? I guess, yeah. Okay, let's go through the plotty plot 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 The lack thereof? Yeah, you know, a lot of things aren't revealed, and a lot of things don't, uh, are just loose ends. So I just wrote down whatever made sense to me at the time. So we start out, in the beginning, he's calling the coupon guy to verify that the healthy choice, like, coupon deal is going to work. Pretty much being like, hey guy, you know this is crazy because essentially this means you can get a thousand million billion flyer miles. And the guy's like, I don't care. He's like, okay. (laughs) Do you think that it actually worked and he got a billion bajillion flyer miles? It's actually based on a real thing. Really? It really happened. And somebody really, like, got that many miles? Yes. I think it really did happen. It says so on the internet. And, you know, the internet lies, but... Does it? It's where I get my facts from. <laughs> he walks out of his little back warehouse where he works. We don't... I don't know. And then he sees that car accident, which is... I don't know. I thought it was, like, to visually represent, like, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, here is someone's end. And now this is the beginning. Okay. Which I kind of like. I liked the beginning. Yeah. Because I liked how, like, the use of sound. Oh, yeah. The sound design in this was top notch. Yeah. I got annoyed slightly in the middle because it kind of felt like, hey, we're going to show off our new 5.1 surround sound technology. There was a lot of surround sound. Yeah. (laughs) Fun. It reminded me of, like, uh, Love and Mercy. With that, like, audioscape of, you know, when people have crazy brains, they do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know how The Hobbit, it's just basically was made to show off this new technology. The, the like, frames per second. Yeah, 48 frames. Like, even though that's not really new, but, like, the projector was new and the, the Atmos was new. And, like, all of this different things, even though it's cool when those are utilized, it's also mm-hmm. like, but was it necessary? Mm. They do invent a lot of production stuff that can never get through the pipeline because we can't ever display it. Yeah, they do. So it's like, have fun with that, boys. (laughs) You're never going to see it that way. Bye. (laughs) HDR, I'm looking at you. VR. (laughs) Somebody's cutting the first VR feature length movie. Hope they're getting paid. I think it's going to be exactly like 3D. We're going to get like 16 movies that are kind of cool in it. And then the rest are just, it's going to die in five years. Yeah. Okay. So you like the beginning. The beginning's cool. You're establishing like, I like, and I think I said, like the sound design scares us. It puts us in like the headspace of Barry who is scared a lot. Yeah. He's very easily startled. And so are we. Loud sounds. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the harmonium is also dropped off at the beginning in front of his work for no reason. Which I'm going to pull a Sam here. Give it to me. Hold on. Hold on. I'm opening my mind. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. 
Okay, okay. Because it's not a piano, but it is directly a harmonium. Mm-hmm. Is it symbolic of Barry finally finding harmony yeah. in his life? <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. This has been your Ashley has a Sam moment interlude. <laughs> yes. Forthcoming harmony to him plopped on his door. Yeah. Speaking of, Lena pulls up looking for the mechanic car thing, gives him keys. That's thing. Yep. And then he grabs the harmonium and then he's startled by Lance. Lewis Guzman, who who had no nothing to do. No I Yeah, why? Lewis Guzman, I wanna see you you're so good. Why yeah. do that? Okay, so I read on Wikipedia mm-hmm. that Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie was Magnolia and it was over three hours long. And so his for his next one, he said, I promise it'll only be 90 minutes. Yeah. But I felt like he shot a lot more. <laughs> Did you get... Because there's so much. Like, I don't know. Why would Louis Guz- Guzman at this time... Yeah. Because he was still... He was a named actor. Yeah. People knew him. Yeah. At this time. Why would he agree to that role where he does nothing where he does absolutely nothing but say hey barry how you doing yeah and he puts the pudding in the cart even at that i found like racist <laughs> yes that scene i mean i did say that i liked that scene but i like that scene like from the manicness yeah i like portrayal of manic mania mania it's kind of racist it was kind of racist and there were just why yeah why would he agree so that's why i'm like the script I'm going to go find the fucking script because there has to be something else for his character. Okay. So like at work, I guess they're kind of like plunger salesmen. I don't know. They've got a lot of things, supply things. Maybe they cover shipping of some sorts. I don't know. But He's just an entrepreneur. Yeah. Shipping out Random plungers things. and things. And then his sisters all call him and are total dicks to him about attending this party later that night which is a sister's birthday party yeah but like the sisters i don't know yeah you're right like they are disrespecting him a lot and like not expecting him to fight back yeah they're like what are you doing what are you doing maybe i don't know maybe is it not a real job maybe but also why is it their fucking business and responsibility? Why did he decide to wear that blue suit every day? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> Let him wear it. Like, throughout this, my thought was the intention behind it, and this wasn't a diagnosis at this point, but that th- this was Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. And typically, one of the signs of Asperger's syndrome is constantly needing to wear the same outfit. I mean, I don't have any direct personal experience with it, so I can't say for sure if that was the intention. So if this was something that he had displayed in the past as a kid, I just don't understand, like, why his sisters are so hell-bent the way that they are. Like, yeah. they're dicks. They like, are. complete dicks. And they want the information, but they don't want the information. Like, it's, it's like the information is power. Mm-hmm. So they want the power. Yeah. They don't really give a shit about him. And that annoyed me. Yeah. My conclusion was that they were from Boston. Yeah. 
I can say that. You I'm can. You. I'm not. I'm like, yep, you did. You, yeah. Well, the, the, it gets to the point where it's just like, how could they not see? Because, like, they're attacking him at the party. Then he smashes the windows. Yeah. How do they not see the connection yeah. at all? Yeah. And so they just go, why? You're such a freak. I'm just like, what do you expect? Well, and they call him a retard. Yeah. Ah. Nothing is appropriate. Um, so he talks to his brother-in-law, he says that he doesn't like himself, and he wants to talk to somebody, and he says, I sometimes cry a lot, and then cries. Yeah. And, but the brother-in-law is like, I'm not a, a doc, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm a dentist, so. So he goes to the grocery store, he decides about the pudding, because it was the cheapest way to get the most miles, because there's barcodes on individual pudding cups, that are, you know, a dollar for a four-pack. It's genius! Is it? It's genius. The phone sex line is next. So he gives all of his information to this scam phone sex line, which he doesn't know is a scam, but they ask for his credit card information, they ask for his address, they ask for his social security number, they ask for his phone number. They have every piece of information on him. Which never give your social security number out. Anybody to ever. anyone. This is a. This is how they used to steal identities. He has been identity theft. <laughs> he has been thieved. He has been thieved, sir. He gave it to them. So he talks to this woman, Georgia. Like I said, he just wanted to talk to somebody. He yeah. wanted therapy. So he called up a woman. He gets Georgia. He's not there to jack off, even though she's like, you should. What else am I doing here? <laughs> and then that's it. And then she calls back in the morning and says, Hey, I'm behind on my rent. Can you help me out? Dun, dun, dun. This is where it starts to be in the thick of it, you know? But then she starts hinting at blackmailing him. She's like, well, maybe I'll call back and get your girlfriend. See, okay, this whole plan mm-hmm. was stupid. What? She didn't know. Like, how can you have like a five... 20 minute co- 5 to 10 to 20 minute conversation with someone and know that they're telling the truth. He's obviously calling the fucking phone sex line mm-hmm. for, you know, his own personal reasons, but he didn't even tell her his real name. Right. At first. At first. No, they were the same person, so he did tell her his name for the card. Yes. For the credit card. That's why, like, she, when she was saying, like, oh, baby, where do you work? Like, how much money do you have? Like, yeah. it's their scam to, like, size them up first and then hit them up after. But it doesn't make... Okay. It still doesn't make any sense, like, from a con artist standpoint. It's just... it's How do you know that he has a girlfriend for sure? Like, if you're going to use blackmail, you better damn well have, like, legitimate proof blackmail. Like, pictures and shit. Mm-hmm. Because some rando calling... And saying, hey, are you what such and such's girlfriend? Like, Mm -hmm. he called this sex line. It's like... Yeah, it's... I feel like it starts off slow like that, but they already have all of his credit card Yeah, they already have all his credit card information, so it's really, like, moot for her to even call Yeah, like, she could have just taken the money to begin with. But I think, like, I don't know, I think... Do they want the men to volunteer the money so in that way they give them more stuff? I just feel like it was just a really shitty scam. Okay. I can see that. 
It's just like the podcast scam that we had last night. <laughs> we can make your podcast great. Okay. <laughs> Sir. Sir. Can't even do proper fucking research. How are you going to make my podcast great? So, let's see. His sister and Lena show up again. And the sister wants him to date Lena. All the while, he's on the phone at work with Georgia being like, you're in for it now, buddy. And then, uh, yeah, Lena leaves and then comes back and then asks him to go out for a drink, for a date. Without the sister. Yeah. Which, that made sense. Mm-hmm. I was like, bitch, why are you trying to, like, be the chaperone on a date that you were trying to put together? I'm surprised he said yes. Well, he really liked her. So then we see Utah, and we see the operation. We see Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he's going to send the brothers to hit up Barry for not cooperating with Georgia. Yes. Then we're on the date. Barry tells her about the pudding miles. Lena tells Barry that she knows the hammer story. And so he's like, I got to go to the restroom. And he tears it up rips it apart, and then they get kicked out. In the car, there's more uncomfortable questions. (laughs) They're uncomfortable to him. Yes. They're just like normal... Getting to know you questions. Yeah, but the people keep asking, like, why do you have the pudding? Why the... Like, they are kind of rude. Oh, this whole movie was rude. Yeah. All of it. Why do you have the harmonium? Did you steal it? Just like, who are you? You don't know him. You don't know his life. Yeah. (laughs) Get on out of here. She wants him to go to Hawaii with her because she's going there this week. And the yeah. movie just wants to film in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> and so he drops her off. And then when he's leaving her apartment, he gets a phone call from like the front desk. And it's Lena. And she's like, back there, I really wanted to kiss you. And he's like, oh, yeah. So he runs back up, gets lost a bit. Mm-hmm. And finds her. She's like, why? Why Why is she so much into him? I don't know. Reasons? Reasons. Reasons unknown. Um, and then back home, he gets kidnapped. Takes $500 out of the ATM. Which, that was not Adam Sandler. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but that was not Adam Sandler. <laughs> there was strategic filmmaking trickery going yeah. on there to hide the face. He takes $500 in the ATM... Gives it to them and then gets punched in the face and chased. Which he sounded like he was Mighty Morphin, like, werewolf man while he was oh, running. Oh, he was running? It was just weird. He was just like, ah! I'm like, why? That's how he runs. He's out of breath. But, like, it wasn't, like, out of breath noises. It was, like, grunting. <laughs> so then at work, he tells Louis Guzman that he's going to go to Hawaii and he needs more pudding. But then they learn that it actually needs six to eight weeks for the coupons to be processed. And he's like, fuck it, I gotta go now. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) Good call. Good call. (laughs) Don't tell your sisters. Just block your sisters. Say, I will not accept calls from them. Just get them out of your life, bro. Toxic, toxic family members. Get them out, bro. Yeah. You don't need that. No, you can totally cut toxic family members out of your life. There's nothing to be ashamed of yeah. in protecting your health and wellness. Mm-hmm. He's in Hawaii, calls Lena, meets her, kisses, dinner, hotel, kissing in bed. I want to smash your face. This made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. 
he wanted to murder her. Yeah, that's uh, that's what makes him happy. <laughs> Equating strong feelings with physical violence. Yep, <laughs> it's his release. And need a therapist and uh, some anger management. Does <gasps> this is why he was in anger management? There it goes. Right, he was in it. He was in that movie, right? Uh, probably head cannon. Anger management. Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It was a 2003. And Louis Guzman was in it too. <laughs> and Marissa Tomei. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Anyway, he calls the scam people and he wants his money back. He says, "Listen, when I come back, we're gonna you're gonna give me my money back." I don't know if this equates to he has. Okay, so later on he says he's got the strength now because he's got love. So, Mm -hmm. like, being with her gives him the confidence, but he calls it, like, the actual physical strength. Yeah. To face his challengers. Yeah. Something something that I think is kind of very toxic. Yes. Yeah. There's lots of things that are very toxic about this movie. Yeah. It's not love, bro. No. Um, So Lena wants to go home with him after their trip. They do that. The car gets hit. She's bleeding, which, you know, I felt like at any moment in this movie, at any moment that somebody was going to die. Did you feel that? Yes. It was very tense because of the sound design that I'm like, somebody is about to get shot and I'm going to see it or something like that. But do you think that's because we are used to the 5.1 like realities of sound today? I don't know. No, I just think that the film was very startling. No, it was definitely startling, but I'm saying like. Back then, the mix would have been presented in a different way because 5.1 was so new. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is fast. It's, this kind of stuff is fascinating to me because 5.1 surround sound is not that old. Mm-hmm. It is still a very new technology. So, the way that film has shifted and its use of sound has changed because you can now pinpoint specific channels. Like, even now with 8.1. There's very specific at, like specific places that you can place noise. Mm-hmm. You can do it from behind. You can also do it from above now. There's like very pinpoint accuracy mm-hmm. in the way that sound is used. So that's why I'm like sit- presenting it as this question because people weren't used to movies sounding like that. Right. So could it be that it was used specifically and strategically to, to show... Not only the technology, but to... Unnerve people? Rattle people? Yes. But then also, like, we like it, but we also are like, oh, this is, like, what it has become. Yeah, so it's like we're expecting it because we're used to it. But they were designing it then. Yeah. From my my point of view, the the sound designers probably, you know, this there was a lot of thought. Mm Mm-hmm into this where it's so natural now that it's like we don't yeah. necessarily have to no i like that as as a lot as you see how film filmmaking has developed over the past 100 years is that each new technology that develops you see like them creating and thinking and it's stuff that had never been done before and it's all stuff that like we're so used to now yeah it's just like oh they didn't always have widescreen or whatever or they didn't always have match cuts yeah that's what I like about us watching these movies. Like yeah. Chronological orders, the kind of film study. Yeah. No, it's a good way of, like, experiencing through, like, a historic... We're, we're film anthropologists. That we are. Sexy anthropologists. 
<laughs> like bones. <laughs> Stop stripping, Ashley. <laughs> it's only my glasses. That's how you know you're an anthropologist. Yeah, I know. That's why. <laughs> I felt so naked. <laughs> you want to get back to this uh, dumpster fire? Sure. We're almost done, right? Yes, we're almost done. Okay, circling back, we are at the scene where the car accident, he gets out and beats the shit out of the brothers. Mm-hmm. It This part, like, this is where I'm, like, saying it really reminds me of, like, the Big Lebowski. Yes. Yeah. Which, I thought this scene was good. Mm-hmm. Like, the camera work, the, the, the way the scene was composed. Yeah. Was I love the camera work in all of the movie. Yeah. No, the camera work is... There's some interesting parts where I'm just like, why are we doing this shot right here, right yeah. now? I just also kind of miss looking at film. Yes, this is beautiful yeah. on film. I'm just like, just looking at it, I'm like, I love the way film breathes. Well, and then <gasps> like the shadows, the way that shadows Well, yeah, they shot are. it for... Uh, low lighting and yeah. stuff which oh oh but shadows in film are just so much nicer yes they don't they're not super crisp mm-hmm. they're a little soft mm-hmm. they're a little inviting and mysterious which i think adds this really nice quality to it yeah and they shot completely shallow shallow depth of field yeah mm. Ugh, sorry it's just like i don't get to see this anymore because they refuse to shoot on film in hollywood because they think it's more expensive it's n- it's the same it's so so what i've learned <laughs> from keanu reeves yeah. and his movie i love keanu <laughs> i love that movie <laughs> did you know him and renona Ryder yes. think they're married yes <laughs> breaking news they're the best <laughs> They're the longest standing Hollywood couple. Love them. Love them forever. <laughs> We're going to go see their movie. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we have plans. Um, anyway. Side by side. Yeah, side by side. The Keanu Reeves documentary about film versus digital. Which depresses the fuck out of me. So, basically, film and digital are exactly the same yes. cost-wise. Yes. It's just where the cost happens. Yes. So, That's f- what people film- don't. Sorry, I get angry. Film is more expensive during production. Mm-hmm. It is more expensive to acquire, especially now because there is less in circulation. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. once you transfer it digitally, that film can sit in a can for pff, a thousand years. We don't even know We yet. don't even know. And would be perfectly fine. There would be no image degradation. There would be nothing. Unless there was a fire. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there, it's not in a c- climate control yeah, room. Physi- physical Physically, damage. yes. But in terms of digital. Shooting digital. Digital is way cheaper to shoot. On the front end. On the front end. But in the back end, it is ten times more expensive to archive digital than it would be for film. Mm-hmm. Because digital... After a certain period of time, digital media starts to deteriorate after I th- uh, on LTO tape, I think it's 50 years. Yeah. It might be 50 years now, but like And even older, then it was if it's like, like not corrupt or something. Yeah. And it's really easy to corrupt, especially on oh, LTO yeah. tape because it it's so slow to mm-hmm. transfer that you could have corruption just based on yeah. transferring speeds. But that's what people don't think about is, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to have to re-archive everything again 
because digital media it's yeah. not forever it's, you think about like all those cables and hard drives you have from a few years ago that are completely useless like you can't plug this into your mac anymore yeah or whatever yeah. i mean like that is that's where all the movies are on they're on those same fucking hard drives you know? yeah we're losing our media <laughs> sorry no it's fine that movie. but i do feel like we are seeing like i re i recently learned this westworld is shot all on film mm-hmm and it's they digitally take out all the the impurities so that it looks like digital, but it's not. It, they mm. use it because they need the the depth of field. Yeah, because the depth of field is different. That's the other thing is it changed the way digital changed the way that our cameras function. Yeah. So you know you see it's so hard to focus a movie mm-hmm. now because people were trained on film cameras and on film. It's very, it's, you know, you, it's an exact science, essentially. So, but with digital film cameras, you have no limit. So it depends on a number of factors. It depends on the type of sensor that was put into your fucking camera. Mm-hmm. And that varies widely. So it's not like, oh, I have to turn it here specifically and it's in focus. It's changing every setup. Mm-hmm. It's not a specific set number. anymore well that's where like yeah pretty much when you're pulling focus you're just judging distance yes so if you have a real skill at knowing like how far away something is like those people are like the ace focus pullers yeah but there's only like eight of them yeah in the world (laughs) that can do it on digital like it used to be film was just in focus yeah I, i don't remember that being ever a huge complaint but it's like because of the way that digital functions well, yeah, now. yeah, because it's like, it was just fucking the same math, the same math for, you know, 60, 70 years. Yeah. And now it's, it varies. I mean, it very. I mean, we say the same math, but like lenses did come in to, to you know, the equation yeah. and that kind of stuff. But when you have a set limitation, mm-hmm. which is film is limited, I will, you know, say that it is a limited medium in the way that it can be captured. But that's a science to it. Like we've taken away so much of the science just based on technology. Yeah. And we, we didn't, I don't think the technology for technology's sake has made things beneficial. No. And I mean like film is still better. Yes. In terms of resolution. Yes. But that's because you can run it through a telecine 8,000 times and get a better, well, you can run it. Okay. So you can run it through a telecine 25 years ago and get a specific type of quality transfer. You can run it through a telecine now and get an AK resolution. No problem. Yeah. Because it's just redistributing the, the picture size because the picture size hasn't changed at all. Well, yeah. And it's also just, it's physical. It's physical. Yeah. So you're physically recapturing yeah. the image. It's, it's photography. People know photography. And I'm not saying that I am like a 100% perfect expert on cameras and everything. Justine has a better knowledge of that aspect than yeah. I do. Um, and that's just because my brain doesn't work that way. I'm like, hey, look at the pretty pictures. <laughs> I don't do math. <laughs> The math is hard. Well, the the, the lighting is hard. The, the science <laughs> the science behind camera work is fascinating yeah. to me, but it is 
it's like a foreign language. It totally is. It's great. So like for some people they can understand it and like that's great. I am not one of them. I'm like I'll take the pretty pictures and I'll make, you know, you a thing out of them. No. But the, this film was gorgeous in what they did with the I yeah, mean, the, the 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 picture choices. Yeah, and the, the flares and the filters and the even the color of blue on his depth. suit. Yeah, yes, the way color. Sorry, I'm just yeah. gonna, every time we bring up something, I'm like the way color looks on film. Yeah, the way this looks on film, and I'm like, sorry, I love film, and I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's something to be said about advocating for for film to come back. I, I there there are still people who use it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it is ever going to 100% die. It just, like, annoys me, though, to our previous talk talking point of people automatically think that it's too expensive. Like, yes. they just write it off on cost point, And it's just like, no, you don't have your information. You don't know. Like, well, you've got to buy 50 million hard drives because you're shooting up a storm shooting yeah. on your, your Ari, you know? Yeah. Film requires you to make choices. Yes. People are fucking scared of that. <laughs> I think... Uh, I think the, that's why they're afraid of post, too. Well, and afraid of, like, they have a limited amount of stock. They've got to do a limited amount of takes, so they have to do rehearsal. And that requires your actors to actually yeah. be actors. Yeah. And it requires everybody to be fucking on point. Yes. Totally throwing a lot of shade right yeah. now, and I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but... Your point is still valid. Like, it's not that I think that you're wrong. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, digital people aren't hard workers. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's you need to be able to have access to the medium that your project calls for. It's just, yes. like, every fucking bullshit NLE yeah. fight <laughs> on the internet <laughs> between Premiere, Avid, or fucking Final Cut. Like, it's just like that. If your project calls for something like the magnetic timeline in Final Cut, use it. Don't let it hold, like, don't let anybody hold you back because that is what your project needs. If your project is an episodic television show, don't come after me because Avid is the best thing for that type of project. Or even just a type of project that has multiple editors. I'm sorry, but that's where it starts to break down. Yeah. But... There's that that standard of we should not be worried about the quote unquote cheap aspect of it. It's like that Venn diagram thing, mm-hmm. you know, cheap, fast and good. good. Pick two. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. Like sometimes the good things are not cheap. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find a VFX artist who's con- going to create a full on CGI character for ten thousand dollars you're not gonna find it it's you're it's probably gonna be closer to twenty five thousand dollars and that's just because the technology is expensive it is still expensive that's where our focus is kind of shifting right now from from the standpoint of film um technology has taken over the industry so much yeah that we have forgotten about the artists oh yeah behind it and I think that that shows a lot in the union contract going on right now. You know, a lot of things we don't understand each other because we've lost that aspect of being a team. Yeah. Like we've lost feature films. We've lost dailies. 
where the director, it's they have a half day at the end of the week, mm-hmm. and they just do a daily screening. And you sit in, and it was the director, the editor, the editor's assistant, the the cinematographer, the the cinematographer's assistant and the ad and they would just watch all the dailies from the week and they would give notes Mm -hmm. and that was the chance for everybody to come together and everybody to talk now we're so segregated so i don't think i have ever seen a director of photography step into an edit bay Mm -hmm. or even give notes on dailies or even communicate to one of my editors yeah i may have heard like here or there like oh yeah we're gonna be in for color or something like that but never to like go over and talk about what the project needs from a cinematographer standpoint yeah or even just pre-production meetings where everyone got to sit down and talk about what their specific department needed Mm -hmm. and so that has created you know, it's like when you don't see things or when these things don't affect your world, it creates this bubble and you don't see outside that bubble. So you have people going on the internet and talking about how editors shouldn't complain about anything because they get to sit in fucking air conditioning every day, Uh which isn't fucking true because not all of us get fucking air conditioning all the time. And we still work 18 hour days. Right. We still need the same amount of sleep as production. Mm -hmm. And I think people like me can sympathize with production. I know production is hard. That's why I'm not there. I've (laughs) been on set. I know that I am just in the way. I know that I am not good to be there. It's more of just I get fucking overwhelmed with everything i'm like look horses look person look actor look things i was on set here's i'm like old timey justine is here (laughs) i was on set in 2008 (laughs) on the set of hannah free as the assist like my first feature assistant editor job and we this was shot on p2 and this was like back when we're like holy fuck how do we do this and have it Mm -hmm. and we (laughs) turned around dailies daily out on like dvd to wendy joe at the end of the day yeah and on set because like that's like that's how they have to see it yeah that's how we had to do it but i and it's because production schedules have been so compressed Mm -hmm. it's because nobody wants to stand up to the people with the money anymore Mm -hmm. which is valid but also like why are you so scared about losing your job because at the end of the day, not everybody is an expert in your field. I don't know, man. It's just like since everybody, it's just you feel very replaceable nowadays. No, I, and I get that. And, and I've felt that. And I'm coming this, at this from a different kind of perspective at this point. Mm-hmm. Because, because of this overreaching contract uh, negotiation cycle. If post-production and production got each other and had each other's backs like they are supposed to because they are in the same union, because they are supposed to stand up for one another as a union solidarity goal aspect, propaganda, bullshit, whatever you want to call it. We could shut down Hollywood. Yeah. Completely. Like it would be done because you can't shoot anything new. 
you can't edit anything. So that means you can't finish, you can't put out a finished product without hiring college students. Yeah, you like your TV shows, people? <laughs> and that's just from a TV episodic aspect of it. From a feature aspect, even if they're up in Canada, mm -hmm. because local 700 and local um, 600 are international, it would shut down the stuff in Canada. Oh, it would shit. shut down the stuff over in London. It would shut down the stuff in um, Mexico. So you take a look at all of that and it's like, they're really, they're really going to entrust, you know, the sixth season of the walking dead to some college student that they just hired who just learned how to use, you know, the software that the show's using or, or she used and pick up the, the Alexa mm. for the first time um, or the red or which is, you know, vastly different or even just whatever it is, the walking dead using, you think that they are actually going to entrust that with somebody who quote unquote is replaceable because I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And I don't think when it comes down to it, that as much as consumers are con like are grasping and just soaking up content, they're soaking up good content. Yeah. They are uh, latching on and attaching to the quality of certain things. So you're saying we actually do have the power. I do. I really honestly do think that we have a lot of power. And I do think that especially with all the stuff that's going in 871 right now with the script supervisors and the fight to get script supervisors recognized and financially compensated appropriately because yeah. they do so much. And I, in as an assistant editor, having a fan-fucking-tastic script supervisor mm -hmm. like Anne from To All the Boys. Dude, it's one of my so first great. questions. Like, <laughs> when I'm presented with a project, I go, do you have a script supervisor? Yes. Like, it's like, it's, what type of hard drives are you using? Do you have a script supervisor? Yes, because I know that I am not okay to be on set. I want to make sure that my eyes and ears are, you know, very well taken care of and do fantastic job. And it, it's a battle and it, it's a traditionally female mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. And their role is comparable to the first or second AD. Yes. So they should be paid on a similar scale. And that has not happened. And that has been a priority for local 871 for a very long time to mm. try and get that to happen. And that didn't happen again this year. Fuck it. Everybody who's listening to this can look all of this stuff up. There's a lot going on with local 700 and, but just between local 700 and IOTSE our, our international local. And I don't want to like bad mouth everything, but there's a lot that's going on that feels wrong and feels as if, our international local doesn't give a flying fuck about what labor has to say. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones who work forever and have seen friends almost die mm -hmm. at the hands of these schedules. So and this is why I get very passionate about it. And, and very like at the grand scheme of things, you need these very, very skilled people who have dedicated their lives to entertainment. They aren't curing cancer. They aren't doing anything but making sure that somebody somewhere gets a happy feeling. Yeah. 
when we talk about like the great debates between film versus digital and NLE versus this, it's it kind of takes away from the people that are doing like a lot of it and and their tools are constantly changing and yet you still see a lot of the same people still like learning and fighting and making sure that you know things turn out the best that they possibly can be so that was a very roundabout way to get back to this movie yeah <laughs> this movie let's talk about philip seymour hoffman again he was beautiful mm. i loved his hair yeah he had really nice farrah fawcett hair Ooh. did you notice like the the kind of like curl wave thing i'll going take on? it though yeah. You know I like a man with long hair. Yeah. Yeah. After that car accident beating the shit, Barry calls uh, Georgia screaming, talks to Philip Seymour Hoffman. They both tell each other to go fuck themselves. Nice. Like, go fuck yourself. No, sir. You go fuck yourself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're going to f- tell me to fuck myself? <laughs> <laughs> you just you just made a big mistake, mister. <laughs> He, uh, Barry's able to get the, the mattress guy listing. Yep. He goes there and then in person tells Mr. Mattress Man to not fuck with him because he is stronger than he is because he is stronger with love. Nah. And that is that. And that is that. Didn't they say that is that? Yep. <laughs> That's that. That's Nothing that. happened. He didn't get his money back. They just threatened each other to just leave them a fuck alone. That's it toxic masculinity yeah and then so he runs to lena he confesses it all and he says i want to be with you and she's just like okay just don't leave me at the hospital ever again and kiss kiss moose moose the end i did it i made it to the end finally ashley hashtag acura (laughs) god i don't know if i could do an accurate on this one i don't even know what is accurate what even is accurate angry man gets angrier scammed and then says don't scam me i'm going to scam the you the pudding people who's the real scammer huh 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 Huh? is that our lesson you can't scam the scam man but was he a scam i just don't know anymore he scammed the healthy choice people but he wouldn't allow to be scammed by the the these guys but they knew it was a scam he asked the healthy choice people. Okay, you can scam people if they allow you to. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the theme. That's a terrible theme. <laughs> it's about consent. It always goes back to consent. <laughs> Ashley, Justine, what is your rating for this movie? Hi, I think for the filmmaking itself, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna give it two. Mm-hmm mattress stars nice i'm also giving it a two one of those stars specifically goes to philip seymour hoffman that's right dude <laughs> we have the same exact rating except it, i'm rating it uh two unbreakable plunger handles question quote, question quote. marks <laughs> <laughs> lovely lovely i don't know what the other star is for but two stars for philip seymour hoffman for the lighting for the yes the camera work <laughs> the filmmaking the lighting uh, shooting on film and film Philip Seymour Not Hoffman. Not so much the script. Yeah. Or the performances. Oh. Okay. The end. The end. 
Ashley, it's time for our mailbag. Here's the mail. You're never going to use it. (laughs) Well, we have a review. Mm -hmm. A new one. Mm -hmm. Justine. Yes. Have you read this? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So unenthused. I sent it to you. I know, but I'm Did trying I close to like my eyes. I'm trying to hype it. Oh, I'm hyped. Okay, dude, dude, dude. I'm hyped. Okay, <laughs> don't make our reviewer sad with your sadness over Whoa. there. Whoa. Yeah, I've been on an emotional journey. I'm sorry. <laughs> with Philip Seymour often. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> shut up! Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a new review from The Worst One. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, I like that it's the number one. It's like trust no one. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Your use of letters and numbers is fantastic. <laughs> I don't mean that like as a mocking way. I no. really do like it. <laughs> Genuine. Genuine like over here. Uh, it is entitled Great Insight and Fun Movie. Dot, dot, dot. Five stars. I love the rom-com genre of movies, and it is so fun to listen to these ladies take a deep dive into what were some of my past favorites. Great, refreshing new take on the fun romps. Just found this. Catching up. Can't wait for more. Wow. No, I think that's really awesome. Somebody, like, I don't know, found us on the internet where we live. They got our information. (sighs) And now they want more. Well, here it is. This is more. This is. <laughs> hope you like it. Uh, I hope you like my 20 minute rant on the industry. Thanks for leaving us a review because you are the best one. Worst. You're the best worst. Best worst. The worst best the one. The worst best one. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I we love, love it. you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Even though I reject that anyone listens. It's all just the same person. Yeah, it's with it's, multiple accounts. It's you with multiple personalities. <laughs> Don't bring my multiple personalities into this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. <laughs> now that I've killed Justine, <laughs> she did. Continue, please. <laughs> Next time on the podcast, we'll be watching 2002's Sharot. No, there's an extra. Shara. Sharot? Shout out at a lot of letters. It's like banana. Yeah. Well, if you like this podcast, why not become a patron? You can support us, the cutaways podcast at patreon.com slash cutaways podcast. We have some new goodies. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, we've reached goals. Go. Yeah. We have to watch 50 shades. Yeah. We got to do that now. Yep. And that that will be that, that's Patreon only. If yeah. you want to hear us be tortured by Twilight fan fiction, mm-hmm. maybe maybe if we get more, we'll watch the rest of the series. Oh my God, Ashley, <laughs> you just keep talking. <laughs> you know I I'm a slight masochist and enjoy torturing myself. Why do you think we started this podcast? <laughs> Why do you think we're watching the BDSM movie? <laughs> Well, you can find all this information and more at our website, thecutaways.com. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. Please leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. I still fuck that up every time. (laughs) It's been 20 years. I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> Stitcher or your favorite podcatcher. We should be on TuneIn now. Oh, and TuneIn? Yeah. I mean, like, theoretically, you could be like, Alexa, <laughs> play the Cutaways podcast. I could not find a boatman named Cuddlings. <laughs> Cuddlings? Yeah, like, she always gets it wrong. <laughs> hey, Alexa, play the Cutaways podcast on TuneIn. The cut whale. <laughs> <laughs> she can't. She okay. She can't th- process the cutaways. Exactly. So that's like the hinge of it. Is it's on there? Except Alexa, sorry, cannot understand our podcast name. <laughs> yeah. That's the catch. But if you can operate it dirt to, through your phone app. <laughs> well, now I want to record her with all the different pl- like things. She'll way- do the cutaway is. <laughs> I'm like, no. The cuddle whales was pretty funny. <laughs> the cuddle whales. That's her. <laughs> cuddle whales. Uh, can Sam draw that? Probably. I'll ask him. <laughs> that's our new fan art. <laughs> the cuddle whales. Okay, that's that's it. That's all our news. Yeah, that's it. We're done. We're done. I'm leaving. Bye. Bye. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Like> this movie. <laughs> Hey, 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 it's Carrie, and I host the Sip and Shine podcast. Despite my 13-year-old sounding voice and slight lisp, I invite you to come listen on your favorite podcast catcher, or if you're a little lazy, come check out sipandshinepodcast.com as I chronicle stories of histories, mysteries, scandals, true crime to cults, ghosts, even a little locked up abroad stories. We probably got your jam and we aren't judging over here. So of course, because this is an unscholarly podcast, we add in copious amounts of wine, inappropriate humor, candy, and reality TV references. So come pour a glass of wine and sip with me on this hot mess express.